This is Box to Box Stoppage Time with Rob Gilbert and Derek Dyson. Oh, what a goal! For Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. And Hoyt's Herbs and Spices. Changing the mood of food. Absolutely fantastic! Hello and welcome to Box Stoppage Time. You're with Rob Gilbert, Derek Dyson, and of course, Michael Edgeley tuning in from Bangkok, as he does, for a podcast spun off from our main show where we go through all the highlights of the past week, the teams, the moments of the week, and plenty more. Derek, you always get a, a juicy lineup set up for us, um, and uh, um, and I know I've had to dig a little deep uh, into some obscure games to, to make my contributions this week, uh, uh, but kick us off with the game of the week, mate. Yeah, I haven't had to dig too week uh, too, too deep, Rob, for the game of the week this week. Uh, I think the game of the week in the Premier League was Villa four. Uh, sorry, Villa two, Leicester City four. We've been talking about Leicester a lot on the show, and I think it, we should get our friend Rob Tanner on at some point because mm. it's been a bit of a roller coaster ride for them. But uh, that is a kind of Midlands derby there uh, to go to Villa, who have been in great form themselves. Uh, and to get the 4-2 win will certainly be the shot in the arm that uh, that Brenda's Rogers badly needed. And it was some one a couple of his new signings uh, that were doing the business. So obviously their um, lone player Tete, who they got from Shakhtar Donetsk, got on the uh, the score sheet and looked overall uh, impressive as well. And uh, Harry Suter uh, looked good at the back there too. Even managed to get himself on the uh, on the score sheet as well, which I'll. Uh, do his confidence no no harm at all. But the fact that uh, Leicester had James Madison back scoring goals, the fact that a new signing Tete got a, got amongst the goals as well uh, will certainly uh, help morale there at uh, King Power Stadium. And uh, yeah, that, that's how I saw the game of the week, Rob. Yeah, it's getting pretty um, congested down there at the bottom end of the uh, the ladder, isn't it? Uh, I mean, Jesse Marsh looks like a, a manager that's under a lot of pressure, heading in the wrong direction. Uh, um, Sean Dyche heading the other way. So, yeah, Leicester uh, City um, d- d- uh, were, were very impressive, um, especially given that game was at Villa Park Edge. Uh, um, what's what's your game of the week, mate? Uh, my game of the week was one of the qualifying matches uh, for the FIFA Club World Cup. Uh, why Dad? Casablanca and El Halal. So Casablanca, the African club champions, and uh, uh, El Halal, the Asian AFC uh, club champion, Champions League uh, champion. Uh, they they fought off in front of a massive partisan crowd um, in Morocco. Um, and uh, the Moroccan team, Wydad Casablanca, was leading 1-0, but they copped an equaliser in the fourth minute of stoppage time right before the end of the game, which gave Al-Halal a lifeline who went on to win on penalties. So Al-Halal, uh, representing Asia in the Club World Cup, heads to the semifinals, where they're going to be playing the South American champions, Flamingo, which is a, a storied match because they've played in this competition twice before. So mm-hmm. my game of the week was um, commiserations to Casablanca, who were almost there, and to the 110,000 people who were at the game, you did yourselves very, very proud. Hundred and ten thousand. Oh, I'd, we have to catch those highlights on YouTube. Edge. Now I'm I'm uh, going local for this one, um, and we we uh, were wondering whether Steve Corica might uh, be um, one of the uh, the sacked coaches of the A League season um, earlier on in the season when they were languishing at the lower reaches of the uh, the A League men's ladder. But uh, this week he lauded the character and spirit of his team, and uh, Adam Lafondra scored the first and last goals in a three-two home win over the Central. 
Central Coast. Jason Cummings scored the other two for, for Central Coast. Uh, uh, but most of the game was played with 10 men on either side uh, around the sort of 20-minute mark. A uh, couple of red cards dished out uh, was resulted in uh, in penalties. So it was uh, with 10 men on uh, on both sides. It was, a, it was an open game, exciting, end-to-end sort of stuff. It was just Sydney's second A-League men's home win of the season and the first time they'd scored back-to-back wins uh, with the Sky Blues at least temporarily at the moment moving to sixth position. So for a team that uh, that looked like they were at the, at the bottom end uh, of the ladder and and heading uh, uh, heading nowhere, Steve Corrick has um, dragged them up and it was uh, it was just a real entertaining game. So if you don't get the chance to watch the full game, there's always the, the sort of mini highlights packages. You can get them on Keep Up or YouTube. So uh, to have, have a look at that one, uh, it was a very exciting match. Uh, so Derek... Um, your team of the week, um, you were sort of referencing it off air. It, um, it interested me. Yeah, well, I've, I've gone for I've gone for Everton. Uh, you know, an amazing result for them at the weekend, beating Arsenal 1-0. And, and for the most part, they really dominated the game, really. They, they um, left the league leaders with really a handful of kind of snap chances as opposed to anything more substantial. I don't think Jordan Pickford in in the goal had a tremendous amount to do. In fact, it was Aaron Ramsdale, his, uh, his compatriot for England and, and his rival for the goalkeeping jersey, who was busier of the, the two goal, uh, goalkeepers. This was their fourth league win of the entire campaign. It was only their second since the October the 22nd. Um, and it ended an eleven-game run without a victory in all competitions. So you've really, you've really got to give Sean Dyche some credit for coming in, galvanising the team, getting a clean sheet, and getting and, and getting a win. And, and this was all in the context of still trouble in and around the ground, protests before the game. Obviously, the Everton fans were fantastic on the day uh, and and provided a great atmosphere. And I'm pretty sure played their part in inspiring this victory. But, um, you know, it, it's uh, it, it is a, just a tremendous result. And look, we, I think we saw it coming. I joked about it on the show last week to go, of course, all the games, you know, that Arsenal had next, let's get some, you know, against uh, a new manager, a new manager bounce. And I was listening to an interview with, with um, Aaron Ramsdale during the week, and he was talking about the fact of how uh, Arteta gives them all the information that he can on all of the player, or players and teams coming up and that they're very well prepared. But, you know, in, in a situation like this, there is no data because Sean Dyche has never managed uh, Everton against uh, in, in any game. So they can only look at what he did for for, uh, for Burnley and then make some guesses. But I th- I'm having listened to that, I'm not surprised that if you're so details-orientated with your team setup to all of a sudden really have no information to give the players, it would have probably been a bit um, a bit under a, a bit kind of unnerving for the Arsenal team to not not be fully brief. But Edge, I mean, I think, you know, we, we got the result we wanted in the, the City game and Newcastle dropped points too. But I think is this one Arsenal can just kind of consign to the history books and say, bad day at the office, we move on? I think so. Uh, I did watch the game, Derek, and I didn't think that we, we Arsenal, um, had actually perform really well at all. So I think there'll be a, let's hope there's a fairly uh, serious uh, week on the track to um, arrest that. And um, Enkedia, you know, the, the we we think that the, well, I think that the, the front three is uh, where the challenge of winning the title 
rests upon. And uh, Enkedia, he had a couple of chances. He might have, on another day, got one. But um, at the end of the day, Everton, dead cat bounce off the new coach. Um, they were very good. They were very lively early, and uh, they got the chocolates. Um, and um, I must admit, I didn't think Manchester City would lose to Tottenham. So I was uh, thinking that uh, the, the title race would tighten right up, but um, Harry Kane and Tottenham got the job done. But to their credit, I mean, Sean Dyche, I listened to him in the BBC podcast after the match, and uh, he he managed to, to sort of describe the week uh, in, a, in a very uh, succinct manner in, in, in which he uh, had the players uh, on the same page, um, understanding that, and by their own admission, some of them uh, had let Frank Lampard down uh, by the way they went about things. And uh, and that, as you say, from a, an Arteta point of view, he had no information. But obviously, Sean Dyche had a, a stack of information to go uh, on. And, and what would normally, in a pre-season of preparation uh, with a particular style of play, uh, have taken several months. He was talking about condensing it all into one week and that the players were, were eager and lapping it all up and determined to, to do something about it. And uh, watching the first half, I mean, Dominic Calvert-Lewin had, had a, an opportunity um, just missed it by centimetres. Uh, they could have easily been up one or two at half time. Yeah, they could have been, absolutely. Yeah, but my team of the week, Rob, was Melbourne City in the mm. A League men's competition. 6 1 winners over MacArthur, who were not my team of the week for obvious reasons. But mm-hmm. just to take note there, um, Jamie McCurran, 16 goals in 14 games. He just continues to go. Uh, can he end the season with more goals in the games that he played? You have to say he's some chance. And Rado Vidasic uh, as the the new uh, manager at Melbourne City Edge, um, he uh, he's uh, taking over a, a a team that's confident, that's scoring goals, that uh, that seems to be uh, at another level in in the competition right now. Yeah, Rado, he's got uh, he's inherited a good team, hasn't he? He's got a very good sharpshooter in Jamie McLaren. Um, as long as Jamie stays on his feet, and uh, the guys like Matthew Glecky and the Boot. Mm-hmm. the foreign legion that they've got in the team. They continue to uh, deliver. They'll be hard to beat for this title, I would think. Yeah, they will be. Uh, now, to be clear, um, I think our listeners to Stoppage Time would have worked this out already, that there's no great science behind what we choose in terms of our Game of the Week, Team of the Week. This is just a bunch of football enthusiasts who watch a lot of football and just pick something out that really catches their eye. Sometimes it's the obvious one and sometimes it's not. And for me, this week, uh, uh, it's a game that caught my eye um, and it was Luton Town beating Stoke City. So it was their first game, obviously, Stoke without Harry Suter. Um, it takes Luton to fourth in the championship. Now, uh, it's their sixth win in seven league games. And the reason I'll pick this one is that on the trajectory they've been on since their former manager, Nathan Jones, left for Southampton, who are currently on 15 points at the bottom of the Premier League ladder, it's looking more likely that the new gaffer, Rob Edwards, might have the Hatters in the Premier League. And uh, uh, and what a, a story that would be. So uh, this is the team that descended as far as non-league football after a series of financial crises. We, we talked to Nancy Frostick from The Athletic about Luton a few months back, if you want to catch that podcast. Uh, they were last in the top flight in 1992. And uh, and one of the, the great parts of the Luton Town story is, of course, the iconic uh, home ground, Kenilworth Road, which looks like it's sort of uh, in a time warp in another century. So, uh, Derek, how would you feel uh, heading from your plush uh, home uh, uh, 
and heading down to, to Kenilworth Road, uh, say Arsenal or Manchester City or even Spurs in their uh, wonderful new home ground? Yeah, I think it, it will certainly be a transition if for them and for the Premier League if they go up. When I think about who's gone up in recent years, you know, Nottingham Forest obviously came up, but obviously with a load of big game and big, big history there. Obviously, Brentford came up, would have been in a, in a similar situation uh, to to Luton, but of course they came up with a brand new shiny stadium. Uh, and then obviously there's Norwich and there's and there's other people as well that come up with, with kind of Premier League quality facilities. Kenilworth Road is definitely quirky uh, and unique and I'm sure it would be in a great away day for, for, for any fan who wants an authentic, proper football experience. I'm also happy for Rob Edwards as well. He he obviously came to prominence at, uh, as the manager of Forest Green. He was then picked up by Watford. There was some acrimony there. And, of course, Watford being Watford, just dis- discarded him after you know five or ten matches, as Watford owners do, uh, and when the Potsos get uh, bored and, and sack a manager. So I'm, I'm pleased that he is able to continue his trajectory uh, as a as a manager as a young manager in the game uh, as well so yeah well let's keep an eye on Luton Town Rob it could be a, a sensational story yeah we'll watch that one with uh, with interest so I'm, I'm just going to go first with moment of the week um, I know we discussed this in the main show it's been one of the big topics of conversation in Premier League football uh, uh, since uh, it happened uh, Harry Kane uh, Tottenham's all-time leading scorer surpassing Jimmy Greaves uh, his 267th goal for the club and uh, and he had the pleasure of course of uh, denting Manchester City's title hopes uh, uh, who whilst uh, at the other end uh, his uh, his counterpart um, uh, Erling Haaland, uh, not only did he not get a touch in the box, he, he, he uh, uh, was nowhere to be found. I know our friend Henry Winter from the Times wrote an article on Her- Erling Haaland and, and what a contradiction it is that he's uh, this goal-scoring powerhouse, uh, but Manchester City are going as bad as they have done in the past half dozen or so years. But uh, my moment of the week, obviously, is not Erling Haaland. It's Harry Kane. Congratulations to him. 267 goals. And the, the great Jimmy Greaves, uh, uh, he um, his baton... Uh, um, he's passed on to uh, another guy who might. Well, he's got a. Do you think he could potentially? Um, it looks like he's got Wayne Rooney in his sights. Um, knock off Alan Shearer eventually. Uh, is that a possibility? I think he can knock off Alan Shearer. I think if he keeps going at the the rate he's going, he's already got the England record, and obviously the Spurs play a lot of fixtures now with the European football in their locker too. So no, I th- I think he. Uh, I think he's well, well on the way, and it will just depend on whether that's at Spurs, whether that that's at Manchester City, uh, Manchester United are apparently interested uh, as well in, in in acquiring his services. So it's going to be a really uh, interesting summer for, for Harry Kane. And there is some thought that now that he has done the Spurs record, you know, maybe it is time for him to leave because. Maybe he has achieved all he can at the club. He will He will always be a club legend, Rob. He certainly will. What's your moment of the week, mate? My moment of the week is was at Highmark Stadium. Uh, Adelaide beat Brisbane Roar 2-1, but it was, uh, remember this name, Rob, Nestori Urinkunda, just another one of the uh, fine long line of African heritage players who are making their names uh, in the A-League men's competition, and in particular with Adelaide United. Urinkunda uh, was the standout um, player in the Joey's recent uh, last year, their qualification games um, uh, 
uh, in Shepparton, and uh, the biggest one of those was a 3-1 win over China. He was well and truly got the job done that night uh, for the Joeys. But uh, uh, Nestori, who said after the game that uh, he was thrilled to get his first goal in the uh, in the A-League and, uh, and obviously a winner, but he was even happier that his teachers from school were there to see him. So Beautiful. well done. Remember that. What a great name. Nestori Irinkunda. Yeah, I wanted to go to the uh, EFL Cup uh, final or the League Cup final, which was was obviously confirmed during uh, the week that's been. Uh, Manchester United and Newcastle have, have both, both reached this final. And I just think it's really interesting that it's those two. I'd really tuned out of the League Cup because Manchester City had kind of made it their trinket, their, their play thing over the last few years. I know it was Liverpool and... Chelsea uh, last season um, and those two are often in that final too and it really just seemed to be the preserve of not just the big six or big seven now of Newcastle but the the top three I mean Arsenal are never going to win it they haven't won it since my first ever Arsenal game in 1993 the League Cup final and and they've they've not delivered it since I've, I've been to two losing finals incidentally both you know, in fact, three losing finals, the two against Chelsea and one against Birmingham City. That's probably why I hate this tournament so much. But um, Newcastle and, and United, I think, give it a f- breath of fresh air. Newcastle obviously haven't won a major trophy for, for 60 years. They'll be very motivated to win this tournament. And I think, you know, this is a really good stepping stone for um, Manchester United as well because they haven't won, they haven't been that flush with trophies recently. Probably, if you'd gone to Manchester United twenty years ago, they would have poo-pooed a trophy like this. But now it comes with uh, with uh, you know European qualification baked in for probably for both teams. Just knowing that Europa League uh, qualification is there, then of course both want Champions League football via the league. But I feel like it's a great thing just to have in the bag. And I think both teams will enjoy a day out at Wembley and it will genuinely field their strongest teams, no buggering around with second or third choice goalkeepers, just straight in there. And I genuinely think it's a 50-50 game. I don't know who's going to win this game. Uh, Newcastle are a brilliant defensive team. Manchester United are looking potent through Rashford. So I think that's where the game will be won and actually quite looking forward to this one. Yeah, entertaining. I mean, look... uh, I'm I'm never a fan of competitions in any sport where one team dominates and uh, it becomes a bit of a procession. So um, it just looks like a, an entertaining game for the non-partisan fan. And uh, regardless of the politics of uh, off the field, particularly around uh, Newcastle, uh, I'm focusing more on their long-suffering fans and uh, hope they can uh, they can get a result um, out of this one and uh, and wouldn't they love to uh, to knock off uh, Manchester United but hey Eric Ten Hag what a job he's done since he uh, showed uh, Cristiano Ronaldo the door uh, it's just been all upside and you mentioned Marcus Rashford I mean what a what a goal scoring machine he's turned into I mean if it wasn't for Erling Haaland he'd be the, the goal scoring story of the uh, of the Premier League uh, season so far uh, I'm sure um Let's shift to hot topic. Uh, uh, for me, um, I'm going to go to La Liga. Um, uh, Marco Asensio, uh, um, uh, the uh, Real Madrid uh, outfit stunned by Mallorca, um, um, and Asensio missed a penalty against his, his former club. It was it was a, a, a an incredible game. This one, uh, given that uh, in a Real. Uh, uh, 
pretty much uh, uh, almost out of the title race uh, with Barcelona continuing to win. Uh, uh, the uh, result was made all the worse uh, because the, the Real Madrid camp were outraged by the referee Alejandro Jose Hernandez, uh, who uh, they didn't quite suggest he had an agenda, but they, uh, in the article that I read uh, in Marca, the, uh, the English translation of the Spanish newspaper, they merely pointed out his incompetence during the 90 minutes. They're particularly livid about how the referee was willing to hand out more yellow cards to their own players rather than the opposition, even though it was Mallorca who committed significantly more fouls, uh, 29 to 5. So, uh, look, the only downside to this, of course, is that uh, Vinicius Jr. was uh, was racially abused, which seems to be a constant in La Liga, uh, but um, the, the um, yeah the the down uh, downward fortunes of Real Madrid continue. My turn and hot topic is uh, the subject of Jurgen Klopp. Um, hmm. As the fans were cheering, the, as the Wolverhampton fans were cheering, you're getting sacked in the morning. Yeah, I heard that. Just when uh, Jurgen Klopp thought his year had hit rock bottom three weeks ago, when they got beaten three 0 to Brighton. Brighton are a team that sort of were pushing. You know, for top six sort of finish in the in the Premier League, you sort of can excuse a a, a result like that with Brighton, but uh, to lose three 0 to Wolverhampton. How do you reckon were, Cody Gakpo's feeling about it now? Uh, not great, no. Um, but I reckon um, that Jurgen Klopp. I mean, Derek, um, how long does he have? Edge, come on, please. Are you one, serious? One, this, this is almost going to go down uh, as your Barcelona moment uh, no, no, um, from the time you the, tried to say they were going out of business. So since the new year, um, only one point. He's won everything, done. mate. Well, I mean, how long How long can a runabouts like this go before even the greatest of greatest are under pressure, Derek? I think in ordinary circumstances, I think if uh, – other managers are under the microscope for their jobs, then, and I think in the cut and thrust of the foot, of top league football, I think Jurgen Klopp would would rightly be worried. I'd, I'd think, though, well, there's a couple of things going on. I mean, I think regardless of the short term form, I think Jurgen Klopp has got the cash in the bank in terms of he's delivered the title that had eluded Liverpool since 1990, I think it was. Um, you know, he created this team that went toe to toe with Manchester City, uh, you know, literally, uh, and, you know, 100 point seasons and Champions League finals. I still think he, I still think he has time. I, I also think you've got the fact that Liverpool are in the process of being sold at the moment. And I think a lot of Klopp's future will be decided by not what, um, Fenway Sports Group, uh, want to do, but whatever the new uh, owners want to be. I, I get the sense that, you know, they did sign Gakpo, but there wasn't much else going on. They would have been watching Chelsea pissing away hundreds of millions of uh, pounds over the, over the other side under their new owner. I think probably the Gakpo uh, signing was sanctioned because it was, you know, a relatively small amount of money in Premier League terms, 40, 40 million, obviously a young player, lots of promise. But I think, you know, until they get the new owners in, I think there's almost a moratorium on on big decisions at Liverpool. And I think that will also include the manager. If they don't qualify for the Champions League, does that um, damage Liverpool? Yeah, it does. But I don't think irreversibly, I mean, Chelsea and Arsenal and Man United have shown that they can spend, you know, seasons outside of the Champions League. It doesn't necessarily 
excuse me, um, <clears throat> affect the bottom line in the same way as it might uh, other clubs. So to answer your question, Edge, I think Klopp's in a special situation uh, at Liverpool at the moment. Of course, he's frustrated. Of course, they want results. And I'm sure if this continues, once a new ownership regime comes in charge, they might want to bring in their own man. I think the other question is, if not Jurgen, who? Uh, you know, who is who's the person that's going to come in? And I can't think of too many managers available in world football at the moment that can well, do a better the job than Jurgen Klopp. At Rangers, it might have been him. That that might have been where the pressure would have come from if he was still still doing well at Rangers. But yeah, but even, even then, I, I would I would argue that that isn't a you know you, you're talking about the top tier of managers and you're talking yeah, about Stephen Gerrard in the Farmers League. No, your point, <laughs> yeah. no, no, no your, your point is well made, but but yeah. um, but it's Stephen Gerrard, and if he had have mm. been winning, um, then. It would have naturally sure. followed that uh, you know he is the talisman anyway. Uh, that's well, not going to happen. Matches in the league are Everton and Manchester United. So if they lose those two games, hmm. you know the, it's not a it's not a silly question to ask whether how long would it be before he. I think Edge that if if it became inevitable, he'd fall on his sword. I think that's that's clear. I don't think they would sack him. Um, I, I think uh, if he tried to hang on too long and he wasn't able to uh, identify the inevitable, then yes, it will happen. Every coach is sackable, but I, I don't think he would allow himself to be sacked. That's my view anyway. I think we've got one little hot topic left out of you, Derek, before we wrap this thing up. Uh, mm, I was just saying on WhatsApp, let's wrap it. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, you start again, Rob, and just say, let's wrap it up there, boys, because uh, right. we've gone on long enough. Oh, well, boys, let's wrap it up because we have gone on long enough, uh, especially with the two of you just uh, sticking the knife into uh, the great Jürgen Klopp. Um, Herbie, uh, Jürgen, if you're listening to the podcast, don't worry about them, mate. We love you. All right. Thank you, uh, Derek. Well done. No problem, gents. Until next time. Michael, thank you. Uh, thank you, Paul Boys. Thank you, Lance. Thank you. Thank you, Damo, as well. Uh, one of those very linesmen, ball boys even. Please subscribe to Box to Box. Make sure you do. Stoppage time and offside. We'll be putting out a new edition of stuff. Offside soon. We've got a couple of great guests we're lining up. Uh, that is not too far away. Wherever you get your podcast, tweet us at Box to Box NTS and follow us on Twitter. Make sure you like us on Facebook and join us throughout the week as our podcast drop and we go from one end of the pitch to the other in the world game.